Hey everybody, welcome to the Or Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We are a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about the Word of God and how it brings transformation and renewal to our lives. Mary, I could use a little transformation and renewal, quite honestly. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm the only one standing on our team. It looks like some bug has hit our team and people are being knocked down like dominoes and I know you're barely here. I'm just glad somebody is feeling good because... Oh, God love you. Because I'm not. But God is good and uh, we had a wonderful time at the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana last week and they were gracious enough to pass off some bug to me, I think. (laughs) I don't know where I got this from, but... uh, no, yeah. but it was it was a joyful time. We had the the great joy of being with something like a hundred and eighty five diocesan leaders, including the bishop yeah, there, Bishop Doherty. Bishop Doherty, just a a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, bishop and his team. Uh, great conversations with pastors and their leaders. So we walked away, Father John, with um, not only a lot of joy but a lot of new friendships. Yeah, right. And a, for the and a huge shout out to Father Thomas Hahn in a special way for. Just his hospitality to us at uh, St. Louis de Montfort and Fishers, Indiana. There's a really special thing. If you live in the heartland and if you're somewhere close to Indianapolis, can't encourage you enough to check out what uh, what the Lord's doing at that parish. It's, it's pretty it's, spectacular. It's really spectacular. And also, just uh, from my end, too, and I think you would agree, uh, Deacon Brian Freiberger. Oh, yeah. Um, between Father, Father Hahn and Deacon Brian are like a dynamic duo. And they're running hard for the Lord. So if you if you find yourself even being relocated there, right, this is a parish. It's a great place worth, to go. And I don't want to forget at, Father Jordan because uh, he was just really warm and hospitable to us as well. Amen. So. Amen. Hey, what do we got for a title today, man? Yeah, so today's topic is A Heart Wrenched Open. Heart Wrenched Open. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father, we thank you for these uh, glorious days of Lent, for this time to... Consider again anew, uh, more profoundly, uh, the depth of your love, your compassion, your mercy, your patience, your forgiveness, which is just flat-out astounding. We ask for your anointing upon us right now. Help the Word of God to bring uh, healing to our lives, especially to bring hope to those who most need it, especially those who might feel uh, beyond your reach right now. Help us to know, as only you can, that you are a good father. And you never stop looking for your children, and you always welcome us home. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So next Sunday's reading uh, comes from Second Chronicles, uh, verse, uh, chapter 36, verses 14 through 16. And then verses 19 through 20. Can I just say something before you read this? this uh, it's always struck me. There is no set text for the, uh, for the Jewish Bible. But in many of the Jewish Bibles, this is the last book, which mean, and this is the last part of the last book. I just find that kind of helpful to think about. Maybe we can, we'll, we'll break that open as we, uh, as we reflect on the Word of God. But this is the final word in the Old Testament. And it's an interesting word, so take us away. Well, it's interesting, too, in that we, we don't know who authored it. Is that right? And then the closing line is an incomplete sentence. Yeah. 
although although we'll find a period there in our text. But just as I was just uh, doing some research into this reading, there there's a lot of context and a lot here. How fitting so for our lives. Me. It's an incomplete sentence. Thanks be to God. God is not done writing in my life, your life, or any of the lives of those who are listening, especially those that we're concerned about. I love that. God's, God's still got the pen in his hand. That's right. And uh, he's got a lot to say and, and to do and. Yeah. each of our lives. So take yeah, us away. Not a period yet at the end of our lives. Not yet, at least not yet. Okay. So in those days, all the princes of Judah, the priests and the people, added infidelity to infidelity, practicing all the abominations of the nations and polluting the Lord's temple, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. Early and often, did the Lord, the God of their fathers, send his messengers to them? For he had compassion on his people and his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despite his warnings, and scoffed at his prophets, until the anger of the Lord against his people was so inflamed that there was no remedy. Their enemies burnt the house of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, set all its palaces of fire, and destroyed all its precious objects. Those who escaped the sword were carried captive to Babylon, where they became servants of the king of the Chaldeans and his sons until the kingdom of the Persians came to power. All this was to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Until the land has retrieved its lost Sabbaths, during all the time it lies waste, it shall have rest while 70 years are fulfilled. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord inspired King Cyrus of Persia to issue this proclamation throughout his kingdom by both word of mouth and in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord, the God of heaven, has given to me, and he has also charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever, therefore, among you belongs to any part of his people, let him go up, and may his God be with him. And thus ends the Old Testament. I mean, talk about a book waiting for fulfillment, huh? Mm-hmm. Amen, Father. You know, I, I don't know about you. There's a, there's a couple of things that, that hit me as I've been praying with this, and despite all the, or in the midst of all the medications that I'm uh, popping into my mouth you, right now. What did your drug-induced state reveal? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it starts with this kind of really scathing indictment. It's it's not like a few people are are wandering and messed up. The whole country is all the princes of Judah, the priests, and the people. So, in other words, everybody is to blame. And so, just immediately, you know, I'm reminded of how often the prophets speak when they pray. They don't pray, Lord, be merciful to them. It's be merciful to us, you know. And, and so, there's this constant need for us to acknowledge ourselves as part of the human race, not apart from it which means we're, we're all in the same common lot. And what is that common lot? The common lot is uh, we are absolutely and utterly incapable of saving ourselves. I'm struck by how many times in the season of Lent 
and, and throughout the year for that matter, especially in the prayers at Mass, uh, the colic, the opening prayer, mm-hmm. we pray things like, make us turn to you, Lord, or incline our hearts to you, or, you know, like, do this in us. It, the, the, it's the prayer of a beggar, which... You know, it's, it's hardly like, Lord, just keep us on the straight and narrow. You know, like we're doing pretty well. Just continue to help us out. It's, Lord, if you don't do something, I'm not going to be able to become the man you made me to be. It's, it's David's prayer in Psalm 51, which is the psalm during the season of Lent. Create in me, O God, a clean heart. And as many of us probably know, that word that he uses in, in um, Hebrew for create, that's a word that only God can do. It's David's way of saying, Lord, if you don't do something, I'm never going to change. That's so contrary to how we tend to think, especially as Americans. You know, like just roll up your sleeves, try harder. You can do this. It's like, no, I, I can't do this, actually. If you don't do this in me, Lord, I will never be saved. I will never be whole. I will never be healthy. I will never be rescued. Uh, I can't save myself. We, we say, what's that line? Uh, God helps those who help themselves. There is not a more unbiblical text than that. God helps those who are incapable of helping themselves. You know, Father John, you're talking about, you know, going to the heart. The Father wants to get into our heart, to wrench our hearts, to get to the root of the rebellion. And I was just this just this last week, I was just praying with uh, the word pierced. And, you know, one of the graces I think that we pray for during Lent is for compunction, compunction of heart. And compunction of heart actually means to pierce Mm. or puncture. So, you know, Lord, give me a a heart of compunction, sincere, profound contrition. And only the Father can pierce or puncture our heart in such a, a loving way. We don't need to do violence to ourselves. The Lord wants to, as a priest friend of mine recently said, he was sharing with me uh, some wisdom from his spiritual director. The Lord, the Father, he wants to love these things out of our hearts. Hmm. You know, we talk about, you know, rooting out all those things that don't have a place in our hearts, you know. And yet the Lord wants to wants to love those things out of us, and only he can pierce the heart in such a way as to give that compunction of heart, which is sweet to the soul. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, oh, no, I just, I love that. just wanted I, to I love the whole idea of a pierced heart, and of course we're going to be right there soon when we get to Good Friday, and we're going to see Jesus' heart pierced and the, uh, the Holy of Holies exposed, namely God's heart. You know, I, th- this title, A Heart Wrenched Open, to be sure, we need to have hearts wrenched open uh, because that's what the Lord calls us to do. He calls us to love uh, even as he's loved us. But the the reason why it came to mind is because of that line in the, the, maybe the second paragraph of this reading when it says, uh, Early and often mm-hmm. did the Lord, the God of our fathers, send his messengers to them, for he had compassion on his people and his dwelling place. In other words, no matter how many times we've been unfaithful, no matter how many times we've rebelled, no matter how many times we've turned our backs on God, God just never stops looking. He, 
What's the line in Jeremiah? More torturous than all else, Lord, is the human human heart heart. beyond remedy. Who can understand it? And God's response to our um, futile situation is not anger. It's compassion. And that word compassion is, is really poorly translated. It made me think of uh, Pope Benedict and Jesus of Nazareth. He's talking about the, the parable, the Good Samaritan. And the, the parable, the Good Samaritan, is really a parable about Jesus. Because it, it, it tells the story of a, a man who's beaten, stripped, left for dead, which means he's, he's absolutely unidentifiable. And, and that man is, is me, it's us, it's the human race. You know, the human race has been left in a ditch, half dead, because of the rebellion of Adam and our selling ourselves into captivity. And along comes someone from the outside, that's Jesus. Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Benedict does a beautiful job talking about this. And he talks about how, uh, he says this, he says, so think of this as Jesus, and think of this as as the Father looking at the situation of the human race, which has been recorded here in Second Chronicles, which is really, this is the situation of the, of the entire human race, right? I mean, like, this is my life, your life, everybody's life. God makes us. We screw up. We wander. He forgives. We do it again. He forgives. We do it again. He for, it's pretty amazing, right? So he says, and now the Samaritan enters the stage. This is Pope Benedict. So Jesus enters the stage. Think of it this way. What will he do? He doesn't ask how far his obligations of solidarity extend. Nor does he ask about the merits required for eternal life. Something else happens. His heart is wrenched open. The gospel uses the word that in Hebrew had originally referred to the mother's womb and maternal care. Seeing this man, us, in such a state is a blow that strikes him viscerally, touching his soul. He had compassion, quote-unquote. That's how we translate the text today, diminishing its original vitality. Struck in his soul by the lightning flash of mercy, he himself now becomes a neighbor, heedless of any question or danger. That's God's response to our rebellion. His heart is wrenched open. You know, I, I've been praying, been praying with a, a, an encounter between a, a priest and a really vicious, vicious criminal that took place a number of years ago. And it's, it's always fascinated me the depths of God's mercy. And uh, I was reading some people talk about this encounter recently, and pretty much everybody who was uh, giving a reaction to this experience of this man um, making a decision to go to confession and receiving absolution condemned the priest and said, there's no way this man can be forgiven. And that is so absolutely foreign to the scriptures. God, unlike me, loves to forgive, and he's rich in mercy. And even when we add infidelity to infidelity, practicing all the abominations of the nations, God's plan's not frustrated. You know, this, there's a danger here. The danger is presumption. 
that, well, I guess I could just do whatever and God's not going to care. And that's, that's not what we're saying at all. But God's plan's not going to get frustrated. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking perhaps of somebody who's listening right now who's concerned about a child who's away or a spouse who's away. And the Lord just wants to say, even as he does in this reading, he used Cyrus, for crying out loud, a, a pagan king, to bring his people back to the temple. Mm-hmm. We just have no idea mm-hmm. how he's going to bring this whole thing to a close, huh? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father John, for sharing that. There's so much There's so much there. And I think our inclination, or at least my inclination, is to look at this first reading and not take the time to pray with it and see ourselves in it. To your point, I mean, this is this is the story of our life. Rinse, wash, repeat. Yeah. I mean, shampoo, conditioner, rinse, wash, repeat. It's a story of my rebellion, my constant failures, my 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 faithlessness, my getting stuck in a place because of the consequences of my own sin. Yeah. Right. And then that, and then that ongoing availability of restoration. The heart of the Father reaches out constantly, and in in the Catholic Church, it, 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 this is this is the tremendous grace that is the Eucharist. This is the tre- tremendous grace that is the sacrament of confession. And as I was just praying with this this week, I was just praying with it. I forget who said it was years ago. I read it that even in the darkness of sin. God still speaks, and it reminded me of, I think it was C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain. He said something like, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but speaks in our conscious, but shouts in our pain. Mm. Yeah. Is, that, is that right? So, yeah. so, so in our pain, in our in our captivity, um, in, our, in our rebellion, it's his megaphone, yeah. right, that, that rouses a deft world. So so God actually leverages our suffering, even in captivity here over 70 years, even of our own making to reveal himself, to reveal his heart and to draw us. Damn, and I know we've said this before um, when we've had conversations that it's not our holiness that attracts the mercy of God. Yeah, yeah It's I our think, weaknesses that yeah. attracts the mercy of God. And I, think, I think it's Mary Caucus in his commentary in Matthew. He talks about how just like water rushes to the lowest place on the face of the earth, um, so God's mercy rushes to those who are most in need. And I, here's the reality. I think we find that easy to believe for other people and very hard to believe for, for ourselves. ourselves. Oh. Right? Oh, my gosh. I think that's, I think that's always the case um, because we're so hard. We're so hard on ourselves, and we think we know ourselves better than anybody else, but the only one who knows us better than ourselves— is God, it's God yeah, right? right? And so we can minister all day, every day to everybody else. It's very hard to receive that same mercy and that same love. I'll just, uh, to ourselves, I'll just share one more thought, Father John. As I was reading this, I was just going through my own history of rebellion and infidelity and captivity and restoration. And I was reminded of, um, of the poem, The Hound of Heaven, uh, by Francis Thompson. He was an English poet back in the late 1800s. I think he died in the early 1900s. And it's an ode that speaks to, to the pursuit of the human soul by God. And it captures this human desire that we have to hide, 
to run to conceal ourselves from God and from our family, our friends, the world, and even to ourselves. And yet, God is as relentless as a wild dog in a chase. And that image has always been so helpful for me that even when I give up on myself and even when I want to quit, or even when we want to give up on others, we want to quit on them. He never quits on us. He is this hound of heaven. And it just, um, it just, that just came to my mind as I was praying um, with this story, which is our story. No, I love that. I've, I've always uh, greatly enjoyed that um, poem uh, as well. And, um, you know, Francis was an opium addict. I know that, yeah. And I've, I've always found that to be, um, you know, the, 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 the saints, uh, Francis isn't canonized, but um, here's the reality. The saints that I can relate the most to are those who God has forgiven greatly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet we read those stories and we rejoice in them, and yet we have a hard time, I think, accepting the Lord's mercy and forgiveness ourselves. So perhaps some of us are listening right now who just can't yet really receive the mercy of God, but that's what the Lord just wants to say to you is, um, this is not for other people, this is for you. His mercy is not for the rest of the world, but not for you, it's for you. His love is not for the rest of the world and not for you, it's for you. His compassion is not for the rest of the world, but not for you, it's for you. You have a good father whose heart is wrenched open. And even when, especially when, you can't pull yourself up, he'll pull you up. That's the good news of the gospel. Blessed be God, huh? Amen. So do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. Hello, friends. This is Mary Guilfoyle with X29. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in knowing more about our mission, check out our website at x29.org. That's A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org, where you can learn more about who we are and what God has called us to do. And while you're there, you can also subscribe to Father John's weekly blog, Thoughts from the Trailer, as well as access The Rescue Project. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And please pray for us and be assured of our prayers and gratitude for each and every one of you. We look forward to you tuning in next week. God bless you.